0: Aloha, this is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing Bill Murphy, the founder of Fresh Monkey Fiction. Bill is here to promote Eagle Force Force 40th Anniversary Action Figure Line. Bill, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Now, before we start, I just want to do a couple things. First, I just want to give a little bit of background on Bill's history. So, Bill, correct me if I'm wrong. You are the founder of Fresh Monkey Fiction. Um, It's a company that was started in 2016. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. And then now this part, correct me if I'm wrong, because uh, when I was doing some research, now you work, you worked, are you still working in Hollywood or on any of that? I am. Hollywood? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've been working, uh, in the visual effects industry for most of my career. So yeah. And so this fresh, fresh fresh fiction is sort of, um, my side business. Yeah. So I'm, I'm producing sort of independent toys on the side.
0: okay. All right. Now, because I want to go over your history and like I said, correct me if I'm wrong. So, you know, um, you now you work now, correct me if I'm wrong. You worked as a storyboard artist. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. So most of my career has been, you know, either storyboarding or animation or visual effects. Okay, yeah, exactly. yeah. Now,
0: some of the big budget movies that you have worked on and you can include in um, uh, more movies if you want to. Now, Solaris that came out in 2002. Mm-hmm. Now, to our comic book fans, this next big important movie, X2 in 2003 is that correct
1: that's correct yeah yep
0: yeah i i have to say is i love the opening white house scene with nightcrawler that is
1: that amazing. Was the, that, that's funny you, you mentioned that because that's the sequence we did the visual effects for that sequence so yeah so i i was uh, working on that sequence with oh uh, my god with, uh, with the team there so yeah that, that came through the facility that i was with at the time
0: because that was i've i have to say that is one of the most incredible opening scenes of a movie that is. And Man, it, I think
1: it, it still stands out. Like I actually, uh, it was on, I forget what streaming service it was, I was on the other day. Maybe it was Disney actually, <laughs> Disney Plus. And I was like, you know, I haven't watched that in a long time. So I actually watched it the first 20 minutes and I was like, oh, I forget how good that sequence was. It's still yeah. a lot of fun even to watch it now.
0: Yes, it is. And I, I have to say this. And funny you mentioned that because um, um about – Two three months ago, yeah, I, I I just wanted to watch that you know X two, so I was on Disney Plus just to watch that opening scene, and then after I watched the opening scene, I'm
1: like ah that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think I I don't think I went back and watched the rest, but uh, definitely that opening sequence brought back uh, a lot of memories because uh, yeah we uh, uh it that that took quite a lot of iterations to get through that sequence, but it really came out. You know, when we were working on it, I think we didn't really realize how biggest sequence it was gonna be in the movie because uh-huh. when you're working in visual effects, you usually don't see the full movie. You just get snippets of the sequences that you're working on, right? Uh-huh. So um, we, we got that sequence at the facility that I was in and obviously being a huge comic book fan, uh, myself and the supervisor were super excited about working on it, yes. uh, you know, uh, and then trying to bring, you know, that Nightcrawler moment to life, I think was really a lot of fun. Oh,
0: because I mean, you guys brought it, you did, you know, and, and I really mean this sincerely, you did it justice because it reminded me of one of the um, old um, Claremont Byrne, um, oh, X-Men issues, I want to say was in 110, where I think Nightcrawler did the, he popped out three times hitting some guy at the circus. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah.
1: Yeah. Like we, we couldn't really throw Banff on the yes. screen, but we, re- I really, we really wanted it to feel that way, right? Yeah. Like, you know, so uh, that was a lot of the, the, the supervisor I was working on with at the time uh, also was a huge comic book fan. And so we were really passionate about trying to figure out how that would work. Obviously, you know, Brian Singer had the vision for what it was, <clears throat> but we, you know, we tried to bring a lot to it and a lot of ideas that uh, were coming from the comic book moments that we were all, uh, you know, sur- super fond of okay
0: I'm sorry I gotta I have to continue If not you know um yeah wait, sorry I'm gonna continue on okay you also um did the visual effects for sky captain and the world of tomorrow in 2004 mm-hmm. and then also to your now correct me if I'm wrong you were on the ground floor of the marvel cinematic universe um you were doing this now the visual effects as a digital production manager um rhythm hughes And the movie you guys worked on was The Incredible Hulk.
1: Yep, yeah, so we also worked on uh, Incredible Hulk uh, as well. Um, And uh, that was not the Ang Lee version, but obviously the version that uh, came out after that was part of the original cinematic universe when um, Iron Man and Hulk came out, you know, in the early, early movies, yeah, Mm -hmm.
0: yeah. I'm gonna, I'm sorry, I'm kind of sidetracking and we'll, but did you know that they were trying to connect the movie to make this connection, this, this cinematic universe? Did, did you have, guys have any idea that I mean, Robert Dunn?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't really, I mean, we knew that they were working on Iron Man at the same time and we knew there were going to be some crossover moments in terms of some characters and other types of things. Uh, of course, you know, we weren't at Marvel at the time when they were thinking about all this. We were just doing the visual effects for it. But um, again, being a huge comic book fan, also very excited that I was working on on that movie. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, at that time, you know, Kevin Feige was coming in every week and talking about sort of what they were working on with Iron Man. And then mm-hmm. uh, Iron Man came out first. And so like we, you know, it, it blew up at the box office and uh, where we were ramping down on finishing the visual effects for Hulk. So obviously he came in and was super excited about where this was going, but I think at the time they didn't really know that like they were going to be building what they have now. I think they were, Kevin is a huge you know, obviously a huge comic book fan as well, mm-hmm. uh, bringing all that to life. Um, and I think they envisioned obviously doing some movies and having some crossovers, but I think at the time, I don't I don't know if any of us really thought that they w- it would turn into what it is turned into now in terms yeah. of really reinventing, you know, uh, the Hollywood uh, summer blockbuster, you mm-hmm. know? So, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. And then also to no, correct me if I'm wrong, you created one of the first web series, um, Amanda Hades, is that correct?
1: Yeah, we yeah, like we did Amanda Hades uh, early on, uh, even before YouTube was a thing. We started, you know, I, I, uh, a few buddies of mine as well were really interested in doing video for the internet. Mm-hmm. uh as it was becoming a thing so we decided hey this is a pretty good platform that we can use to distribute mm-hmm. video content and again yeah. this was before youtube <laughs> so uh you know really uh, you know we were trying to experiment with hey what's it like to put up video content on the internet and again yes. this was early early days of that we had to wait for things to download or things mm-hmm. to load you know it was very different than how it is today but um really looking at trying to how you you know how you put how you would do video mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, now, you know, with YouTube and everything else, it's completely changed. But mm-hmm. at the time, there really wasn't anything going on, yeah. you know, on the web in terms of, you know, maybe you were going to watch a movie trailer or something mm-hmm. like that, yeah. you know. Um, but any sort of even short form content at the time wasn't really a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was happening during kind of the Internet, you know, boom in the early 2000s. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that
0: series started in 2006. And I'm going to ask if um, and then it was now correct me if I'm wrong hopefully because I I just watched it um I'll be and let me be honest I love it it has a nice little charm to it it does I, I'm not being sarcastic or anything but I because it kind of reminded me of um remember when they did the RoboCop series back in the 90s yeah it, it had yeah. that you know um it had heart and like I said it had a it had nice it had a charm to it it did
1: yeah, what it also had was zero budget, so we also we were all kind of doing it for free, uh, on the side. You know, it wasn't it wasn't uh, our 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 full time jobs at the side. At the time, it was really just like, hey, let's just make some content and let's throw it on the internet and sort of see what happens. So uh, it has a little bit of certainly, uh, you know, it definitely tells the story of the time in terms of you know budgets and what we had to work with, and that was really even before like, you know, that was even just the beginning of sort of digital cameras and those kind of things too yes. and figuring that stuff out. So it was a lot, you know, using the technology for the time. It's funny, you know, we were telling a story in the future. Yes. Uh, but obviously it was taking place in the early two thousands. So, you know, you look at some of that footage and you still see those big CRT monitors. Yes. You know, but now in the future, those monitors don't exist. They're obviously all flat panels right so it's just funny to kind of look at that now to see like how much even even the course of a decade after we shot that mm-hmm. how technology had just shifted around you know into and, and, and different places with you know it, that was even before like iphones and even things like that right mm-hmm. so yeah
0: i'm gonna i'm just if you have can you just give a brief brief blurb about the series and and it's and to listeners it is available online it is so yeah yeah
1: yeah I mean it was basically uh, you know we had done a series about uh, this character called Amanda Hades which was uh, you know it took place in sort of the you know uh, not not the too far future but uh, really about just um, you know uh, at the time just, Really, looking at like what was it, what would it be like to sort of expose corporations and media in sort of the different ways so that that was sort of what how we took it. you know the hacker stuff was still very big at the time, so we took sort of advantage of of that mindset and stuff so yeah so it was it was a fun thing to do. I think you know we we did about as many episodes as we could do, given the fact that we were sort of all doing it as a side hustle thing mm-hmm. uh but it was certainly you know we spent a few years working on it, and it was fun to put together for sure mm-hmm. oh, yeah okay. so
0: um let's see okay and did i miss anything
1: no no i don't think so i mean yeah that's the you know most of my as i said like most of my career before i got into toys uh and even still today is working in visual effects and you know the toy thing has always been a passion of mine uh since college uh even before that you know even as a kid i was a huge fan of toys and uh you know always wanted to make action figures and uh, that was always something i wanted to do but it was always a little bit out of reach Maybe mm-hmm. a little bit, um, and uh, you know, I, I had played around with doing some customs and things I wanted to do myself, and figured you know me, meeting friends at conventions and people at, that worked at toy companies and mm-hmm. establishing relationships online with board people on toy boards and stuff who worked in the industry, but didn't really uh, see a way a way to actually get anything produced outside of kind of doing it, you know, sort of in your basement, so to speak.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but you know, with Kickstarter, uh, you know, as, as Kickstarter became a thing, I saw an opportunity there to be able to try to do something and that kind of helped launch uh, Fresh Monkey Fiction to kind of where it's at today. Okay.
0: So I'm going to say before we start with the um, talking about Fresh Monkey, I just want to give one shout out before we really jump in. So um, before, you know, I just want to give a big shout out to Hannah Bahedri of Superfan Promotion for setting up this interview. Hannah, thank you very much for setting this up. Um, Bill, do you want to add anything to that?
1: Yeah. uh, Superfan's been great. They really helped us promote uh, the 40th anniversary. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, uh, you know, we were originally planning to do the Eagle Force 40th anniversary as a Kickstarter. And the last minute we pivoted and I'm sure we'll get into that later, but Mm -hmm. they were really, they they, they worked with us of going like, hey, we're going to go down this direction and we're going to pivot over here. And they, they they got us to where we needed to be in terms of, um, you know, interviews like yourself and press mm-hmm. and stuff. So they, they've been really great. Yeah. Okay.
0: Now, um, where can listeners follow you on social media? Uh,
1: the best thing to do is follow up. Uh, you can go to our website at uh, freshmonkeyfiction.com, and there's links there to Twitter, mm-hmm. um, Facebook, um, uh, Instagram. So you can follow us, any of those. Uh, we post a lot more on, I think, Instagram or Facebook than we do Twitter. But... Uh, definitely feel free to not only follow us there, but make comments. I like, I like to engage with the audience uh, Mm -hmm. a lot. Uh, I like to get feedback from the folks who are following us and see if we can kind of introduce some of those things into the current lines that we're doing. So we definitely are active there. So I encourage folks to follow us for sure. All right. So I'm going to
0: start. So where did you grow up?
1: Uh, So I grew up in the Midwest. Um, You know, uh, I'm uh, from Oklahoma. Uh, so grew up there, uh, and then relocated, uh, to, uh, California, uh, about, oh, it's been over 20 years now. So Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I want, I, I have a career mainly in visual effects and wanted to do that most of my life. So obviously needed, couldn't really do too much visual effects in the Midwest. Uh, although there is some stuff going on there, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Um, but I felt like really where I wanted to go with my career was going to be more, um, either on the East coast or the West coast. So I decided to definitely head out to Los Angeles, like everybody else. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, what was your first comic
1: book or comics that you read? Oh, that's a good one. Um, you know, it's interesting. Um, I, uh, when I grew up, I, uh, had a cousin who owned a comic book store. Uh, and so that was really great. He didn't live super close. He lived like an hour away. So it wasn't my local comic book shop, but we would go visit him and he'd always give me like free stuff. Uh, so I ended up getting, uh, one of the, one of the toy lines actually we started with for Fresh Monkey was called Amazing Heroes. Yes. And it's, it's based on public domain heroes. And the, how I found out about those heroes was because my cousin had given me some free public domain comic books. They were, you know, kind of raggedy, whatever. But like, I was like, who are these characters that are not Spider-Man and Hulk yes. and Batman? So I, I came familiar with those at an early age. Um, but, uh, I was mainly, uh, a Marvel kid growing mm-hmm. up. I, you know, obviously I knew about DC and their universe Mm -hmm. there, but I really didn't get into DC until college. I was mainly Marvel, Mm -hmm. a huge fan of G.I. Joe and what Larry Hama did with the G.I. Joe stuff as well. So, uh, but yeah, um, most of the stuff I collected, I think the early days was probably, it was, I think it was mainly before, like if I started collecting before G.I. Joe came out and it was mostly Spider-Man books at the time. I was huge in Spider-Man.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Now, what was your favorite, or were your favorite toys as a kid, and do you still have any of them?
1: Ah, uh, I do have a lot of my toys that, that I had as a kid. Believe it or not, my my parents didn't throw anything away, so I actually ended up with a lot of stuff still. Uh-huh. M- most of it is in bad shape uh, because I had a brother and we would play a lot with our toys. Uh, and uh, but we still have a lot of that stuff. But as a kid, I you know I. Collected Mego when I was little, M- Mego action figures, but then quickly uh, moved into GI Joe. I was a huge GI Joe fan. Um, uh, would collect any of the figures I, you know, could get a hand of. That and Star Wars were my big, my two big things. Wasn't super into He Man or Ninja Turtles. Uh, uh, obviously I had a few figures, but I was really into GI Joe and Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Wow, and you still, and I'm, I'm so, and I'm just. Repeat, you still have them, right?
1: Yeah, I have most of the stuff I grew up with. Um, The the one thing I don't have, which is kind of weird, is my brother and I had this huge Smurfs collection. Uh, And we don't know what happened to it. We kept it. I I, I, I remember vividly how we stored it. We had uh, this old Pac Man mini arcade box. Okay. Uh, You know, obviously we'd done something with the arcade thing, but we put all our Smurfs in there. It was about this big. We both remember like storing it there, and we don't know what happened to it. We have everything else from when we were kids. We have all our GI Joes, yeah. our Legos, the whole thing. We don't have that Smurfs box, so we don't oh. know what happened to that. And my mom doesn't recall selling it or giving it away. She was never, uh, she was, she, she was great. Like she never gave away our toys unless she asked us first. And uh-huh. even through college, she kept stuff in our, our closets. There, it's yeah. not a lot of it's still there, but we can't remember what happened to that Smurf box. So yeah. <laughs>
0: So I'm going to say Bill, because for me, I still have all my Star Wars action figures. Yeah, That's I weird. mean, they're all, yeah. but, but it, I mean, they're still beat up because, and we probably will talk about a little bit more about it, but I mean, but, you know, um, even though we're like playing with our action figures, technically we're making our own stories.
1: Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know I mean? mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm. And and that even through today in Eagle Force and other lines I do, the story component, the mythology component is one of the biggest things I always look to do when I'm doing my own toy line. And that that resonated for me, playing with toys as a kid, creating my own universes, um, customizing a lot of my own characters, you know, because I couldn't find what I wanted on the shelf. Yeah. yeah, uh, But I still have a lot of that still today.
0: That's great. Okay. So I'm sorry, I'm going to continue on. So um, I know, like you already gave a brief history of, you know, like how you basically moved to um, to California. Um, let's see. Um, um, how long have you been um, working in the um, film industry and in the visual effects um, industry? Oh, a uh,
1: long time since probably ninety nine. So oh, yeah, okay. really long time. Yeah, yeah. So that that's been and then still is my you know main main job today Mm -hmm. uh the toy thing is that you know again it's the fresh monkey fiction thing is uh a one-man band but with some awesome folks who are helping me collaborate from sculptors to concept artists to a bunch of stuff whose folks are really helping me with fresh monkey but fresh monkey is pretty much just me Mm -hmm. uh on 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 the side while i'm also working full-time so yeah
0: so, before I start getting to um, the history of how Fresh Monkey Fiction started, do you want to give out any shout outs to your team members or any? It, it,
1: yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I think, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, just as far as the, the Fresh Monkey stuff, um, there's, again, a few sculptors that we work with and some concept folks who are helping us out, and even just some of the fans who have become sort of uh, great friends across oh. the, you know, this adventure. And I think that, you know, it speaks to a little bit of this, and I, I think we'll get into a little bit with the Kickstarter thing, but it's sort of that, you know, building that community, right, and that collaborative um, atmosphere is something that's really important to me And uh, as not only a fan, but also a creator, right? Like, so as a fan of things, when I I buy a lot of toys that I don't make uh, and really would love, you know, for some of those companies to listen more to some of the feedback from, you know, the fans, and some of them do, which is Mm -hmm. great. Uh, And then being a creator, I also like to do the same thing and figure out, like, how to build that community around the things that we all love.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, so now, um, first, Monkey Fiction. So, um, what is the, or how did the company get started?
1: Yeah, so essentially, uh, a few friends and I were always, like, wanting to do toys. Uh, We had dabbled in a few other things, um, uh, wanting to get it out there. And we were playing around with ideas that we sort of wanted to do. Um, And I really thought, hey, like, let's lean into this Kickstarter model. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because making acting figures uh, beyond just customs is expensive. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of money needed for sculpting, for tooling, for um, manufacturing, for fulfillment. Uh, And it was just something that. Was a little out of reach, but when Kickstarter started, I realized like there might be an opportunity here to try to leverage Kickstarter, mm-hmm. and then um, see if we can build a community around a brand
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, to kind of make it and bring it to life. Mm-hmm. And so all those all those kind of dots connected. I think at once like that's where all the things sort of co- coalesced at one time where I was like at a place where I felt like I had I know I knew enough people in the industry that I could lean on for questions okay. and help. I had enough bandwidth that I thought I could take something on part-time and bring it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a community on the internet that was form- formed as well. So all of those things of coalesced and I think really the right moment mm-hmm. um, and decided that, okay, I wanted to do something simple. And uh, the first thing we launched with was our Amazing Heroes line, which was a uh, one of the lines getting back to what we talked about earlier Toys you grew up with, comic books. One of the lines I loved was Marvel's superhero Secret Wars. Oh yes, love that line. Like that was my favorite line as a kid, um, uh, because I was just a Marvel fan, and there really outside of Mego was not really any action figures around at that mm-hmm. time for for Marvel. And so when I went uh, and launched my first line, I sort of based it around the type and style of that Secret Wars line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, that's where we decided, I decided, Hey, at that point, like, let's, let's do something here with this. Uh, I had some friends because I work in visual effects who had done digital sculpting and modeling. So I had, I had access to people who could help me sculpt and we willing to try something fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, um, we decided to go digitally versus hand sculpting. And at that time things were moving in that direction anyway. And I'd done a lot of it in visual effects as well. Uh, and ZBrush and those kind of things. So I said, okay, let's, let's do this. Let's sculpt a figure that looks like this and then let's figure out like what characters we should do. Yes, uh, and then so I was thinking, oh, you know, like I'd love to do some licensed things, but those are like super expensive. I can't right. really afford to do that. Uh, and then like I was talking about, I was like, what happened to those public domain heroes that I remember from a, being a kid, right? And, mm-hmm. and having those comics there's a few of those there that we could potentially those had really cool designs and not a lot of people know about them. And I think that'd be oh, kind yes. of fun. And so we did, we were doing that. I was doing that. And then I was like, okay, there might be some indie comics that I could um, think about talking to and see if they'd want to do a figure. So I, yes. I had, I, you know, I just like the toy thing, I had built up a, a big, uh, you know, um, base of folks who loved comics on the internet as part of a bunch of um you know forums and those kind of things and so i had no people i knew people who knew people at that mm-hmm. point so I so they helped me get introduced to folks like mike goward who does madman yes they, they helped me get introduced to the folks that do captain action and they were like hey yes. we'd love to mm-hmm. do a figure with you we like this style mm-hmm. uh, mike goward was like oh i'd love to get a madman that would fit in with the rest of my secret wars because mike's a huge toy nerd like i am so he was like, let's do it. So we, yes. you know, all the things kind of came together and Kickstarter started was there as well. And so, okay, let's give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And so that that's how it led to sort of creating Fresh Monkey Fiction and then sort of the first line mm-hmm. was Amazing Heroes. And that now we've gone into, I think we're, you know, we're at like wave five or six with Amazing Heroes right now mm-hmm. when we brought in more public domain and more indie, indie comic book heroes. And mm-hmm. that's been a lot of fun.
0: Now, correct me if I'm wrong. So because I know some of the figures that you brought in and like you already mentioned Mad Men, Um, E-Man, I I was kind of surprised to see that. I mean, that was pretty cool.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, again, going back to some of these, you know, growing up in the 80s, there was an interesting indie comic scene at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a little before Image uh, came out, Um, but there there were these characters like John Sable and E-Man and Badger that existed and that were outside of the typical Marvel and DC world. Um, going to the comic book store, you would see sort of these indie publishers like First Comics and other publishers. Nexus was one of those things. So, you know, growing up with that stuff, it really resonated with me. And I was like, okay, I, a, and I, I think I could make those figures work with some of the bodies that we sort of had with Amazing Heroes, because they were all still superheroes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this Madman thing worked out really well maybe I can connect with these other creators and see if they'd be interested in having us do a, again, a short run of an action figure for Badger or E-Man. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, Let's see. Um, Also too, I have to say, because I went on the website, I was looking at those figures. I also, I also loved the, um, the card backing. It's and and correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, it, it was like a nice Homage to the um, superpower action figure line that DC did. It's yeah,
1: just, yeah, like
0: it's bright, it's attractive,
1: and it's it grabs you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we took a lot of cues from you know from those lines as well. Like trying to mix a little bit of what was you know popular in the 80s because that was part of the reason I was wanting to do the line. And you know, I wanted a, i wanted, there, I wanted there to be some cross sale on the back so you could see other characters. I wanted mm-hmm. there to be bios and other types of things because you know, especially around the public domain heroes, not a lot of people knew who those figures were, right? Or who those characters were. And so I wanted to kind of expose that a little more and say, oh, this came out of this comic book and it's not something I just made up. There's actually a long history here of mm-hmm. a plethora of public domain heroes. Yes. I mean, it is it is endless, the amount of public domain heroes that are out there
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, from the from the 30s and 40s. And they're really great. They have some fun origins. They have some fun costume designs mm-hmm. uh, and uh, but I wanted to kind of bring that to the card backs as well mm-hmm. uh, with some original art um, that we had commissioned for the line um, and kind of you know bring it all together that was be, you know I, I am uh, as a whole I'm not a toy collector who keeps things in the package yes I open most of my toys
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, my desk in front of me out now has just tons of open toys in front of it um, but packaging to me was still pretty important because I, I think that, you know, you have an opportunity there to bring someone into your world, mm-hmm. right? Like you can put a f- nice, you know, photo on it or whatever, but if you can bring like a little bit of a bio or mm-hmm. a little bit of an origin story or show some cross sale with the universe that you're trying to build,
0: yes.
1: I think that brings more people kind of into your into your space mm-hmm. versus just like selling the figure in a bag mm-hmm. or, you know, um, having just some nice art. I think you can mm-hmm. really... And, and again, that's all from the 80s stuff. I and mean, '80 stuff <laughs> was just loaded with all that, right? So I took all that and I said, I want to do something very similar to that.
0: Okay. And then um, I'm going off the cuff here because I, I, know one it, now, I know you said Captain Action is one of your figures and, and it looks really good because I remember seeing a Captain... I remember one of those old 1960s comics that had an ad for Action um, Captain Action. And I think... I think DC did a short series
1: of Captain action they did yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah Captain action uh, is not in the public domain uh, but oh, yeah. it, it is owned by the captain action guys but they it, it had it started as a toy line that that toy line for folks who don't re- remo- recall was Captain action but he would also disguise himself as other heroes yeah. uh, so you could get outfits and masks and other things mm-hmm. to make Captain action into you know, Captain America and other, other types of, you know, heroes as well. Uh, But it had, it's got, it's, it's been at a few different publishers. And I think, Mm -hmm. and yeah, at that time it was at, I think DC did it for a while. Um, Dynamite has done some stuff with them. Um, But yeah, and so I was like, okay, I kind of, this is a fun character. It's a character that people know about. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really like the idea behind Captain Action and they were really open to doing a figure. So I was like, okay, let's, let's see if we can add him into the line.
0: And then real quickly, I just want to add to our listeners also too, um, your amazing heroes also have, oh, I'm just trying to think of the, the comic book series that Dynamite is doing. The, is it Superpowers? The one with um the Black Terror and
1: yeah, so the original Dynamite, Dare, Daredevil, I think. Yeah, because all of those characters are public domain, yes. uh, quite a few comic book companies have done versions of their, their version of those characters. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dynamites was uh, called superpowers and it was a book that brought out a lot of those public domain characters together. Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah. All right. And then um, before I continue on, um,
0: how did you come up with the name of your company? Where did fresh monkey fiction come from?
1: Um, You know, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, I, it was something that I created in college uh, just, it was just a random thing that a few of us were just talking about. I forget how it really came up. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, I, I, had this thing called fresh monkey in college and it was like, okay, do we want to do a production company called fresh monkey? Mm-hmm. And then it sort of was always there. And then the fiction piece got added to it later when I started the company, because going back to what I said earlier, a lot of the stuff I do is really about storytelling mm-hmm right and, and the fiction piece of that right? right and saying like hey like i want to bring a bit of fiction to all of this mm-hmm. and, and and build out worlds and universes and characters and and those kind of things um and uh that that's kind of how it all came together for for fresh monkey fiction when we launched when i launched the toy company oh, okay now
0: also your products you also sell on the fresh monkey fiction website digital comics um the midnight men and then also too you have um digital books the um. The Pendragon Armada, is that
1: correct? Yeah, so we've got a few other things, too. We've got Midnight Men, which is uh, a comic book uh, that you can get digitally on the website about a group of World War II adventure pulp heroes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, we've actually, I I brought that mythology into Eagle Force as well. So that's Mm -hmm. part of the Eagle Force universe now as well. Oh, okay. And so you'll start to see elements of those characters show up in the Eagle Force world, so if you if you pick up a couple of the Midnight Men comics, you'll start to see some things that are also represented in Eagle Force as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there is the Pendragon Armada, which is a uh, series of novellas that is about a king. It's it's sort of retelling the King Arthur story. Yes, mm-hmm. but with a sci-fi spin. Mm-hmm. So it's got a science fiction spin on the King Arthur story.
0: Oh, Okay. That's yeah. it
1: now i'm going to ask
0: um you know um are your products geared um i i i'm trying to rephrase this question you saw the question but you know and you know so is it are you trying to gear it towards more towards collectors or is it for everybody and i'm and i'm being serious when i ask this question is because like you know from collectors who want to keep it in the package and you know to the 10 year old who wants to open up play with you know action figures like um, Vulcan, one of the uh, amazing hero action figures to go on a mission with someone from the Eagle Force crew. So, you know, again, is, 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 is the toy lines, is it for
1: everybody? I mean, it's made for everyone. Certainly like there's, I mean, it it can be exposed to everyone. I, you know, um, but most of the stuff we're doing is towards the collector market because that's who's sort of putting their dollar toward it at the end of the day. Um, but, uh, I have kids myself, uh, they like playing with the toys that I make. Uh, and, but, you know, we're really appealing to collectors. We're not in places like, uh, you know, Walmart's or Target's or places where this stuff is really exposed to, Mm -hmm. you know, um, a younger audience, although they could easily play with it. Yes. Um, most of the folks that are collecting our stuff are collectors in their thirties or forties who, Mm -hmm. um, you know, either like public domain heroes or like Eagle Forest, or, you know, I mean, I've got a lot of feedback around just the world that we're building and people just excited about the world that we're building. So that's actually the nice part of it too. And, but when I, when I get those comments, those are the ones that are really fun because we're putting a lot of effort into building out this mythology in this world mm-hmm. and to see people like do customs of figures that we haven't made yet because mm-hmm. the, the characters really speak to them is really exciting, right? Like that's really awesome. or um you know taking the figures and putting them in dioramas and 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 shooting photographs and stuff like so that that stuff is really sort of really the exciting piece off the cuff questions how exciting is it to see your kids play
0: with with the action figures you make
1: uh it's fun i mean it's fun uh they're super into video games i wish they played with them more but they are you know when i'm going and designing a character they'll come to my desk and go who is that and Mm -hmm. You know, they have a mask on. Who's under that mask, Dad? I want to know who's under that mask, right? Yeah. Or what's that character's backstory? Or when are you going to actually get that figure made? Or are you going to make it? And that's kind of fun because, uh, you know, they're, they're obviously trying to, they're, they're into sort of the thing that I'm making, which is kind of neat.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Okay, I'm good. So now we are here. We're going to talk about the Eagle Force 40th Anniversary Action Figure line. Now, Bill, before we begin, where can people um, pick up this, um, this um, action figure, figure um, um, act, where can they go to um, buy these action figures?
1: Yeah, so right now we've got this Eagle Force 40th anniversary event that uh, is going on for the next month. Um, we have partnered with Big Bad Toy Store exclusively, so the product is there for pre-order right now. Uh, and we're doing sort of a our own version of a crowdfunding campaign, where Big Bad Toy Store uh, has committed to doing 18 figures, and then we have another uh, 18 or so that are in this crowdfunding model for the next month, where you can go and pre-order them, and if we meet the minimum order sales, we'll actually move it into production. If we don't meet it, we'll cancel the order uh obviously uh, big bad toy Story doesn't take the money up front so we're, we're just cancel it we're not gonna we're not gonna produce it at this time doesn't mean whatever we'll it won't ever get made but sure. we won't put it into the next production cycle that's going to be for the next year and a half so we're trying to get as many figures into the production cycle as we can uh they make they'll probably deliver once we make them over mm-hmm. a period of maybe a quarter or two uh they won't all drop at the same time but we want to get them into the production cycle uh so yeah at our, at our website freshmonkeyfiction.com you can see our 40th in our Eagle mm-hmm. Force 40th anniversary page. It lists the figures we're making, it lists the stretch goals, there's links to Big Bad Toy Store, you can go to Big Bad Toy Store directly today, mm-hmm. and put stuff on pre-order. Okay, all right. Now, now I, because I, I'm gonna be honest, I've never
0: heard of Eagle Force, the action figures. Now, it, and can you explain to you know, our listeners, and even including to me, um, you know, what is the Eagle Force um, action figures?
1: Yeah, so essentially Eagle Force came out uh, in the early 80s, uh, around the same time as G.I. Joe. Uh, It only lasted about one wave, so it was only on on the market for about a year or so, but they had, uh, I think it was about a dozen or so figures, playsets, those type Mm -hmm. of things. They were originally three-inch metal Mm die-cast figures. Uh, the gold, uh, the Eagle Force members were all in gold, um, and um, they, you know, they came out around the same time as GI Joe. Uh, they didn't really last in the market very long. GI Joe uh, kind of came in at the same time, and I think had more appeal towards kids at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't see anything past uh, the first wave. Uh, mm-hmm. I was able to acquire the license and. Uh, about five years ago, we relaunched it as an Eagle Force Returns line mm-hmm. that we kickstarted as well, uh, and we modernized a lot of those characters mm-hmm. and brought them up uh, and we aged them up. So Captain Eagle, who was the head of Eagle Force in the 80s, in our world now is in his you know late 70s, mm-hmm. uh, an older older soldier, uh, and he was recruiting sort of a new team of Eagle Force. So again, we're 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 continuing with the original line and, yes. and storyline and bringing it into the modern world now um and uh and so we have a few of our original line uh, original characters as well as some new characters that we created for the more eagle force returns line that is so cool
0: that you that is just so cool that you know that um that that um you know that that you're like um you know that you're that that you aged up um Captain Eagle because, and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to put down GI Joe or anything because, you know, the GI Joe figures like Duke from the eighties, you know, when they brought, you know, GI Joe in you know, today, GI Joe products are made with the Duke action figure. He's, he's it's almost like Duke. Peter Parker. He never ages, yeah. Yeah. you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so that was a choice. That was a choice we made. I mean, it was one that, you know, I debated against for a while, but I thought, you know a lot of people wanted us to just re reimagine the line with yes. the same characters but i am I'm, I'm a big fan of legacy characters yes. um going back to i think um comic books and even mm-hmm. you know i mentioned as a kid i wasn't really into dc but i got into dc in college and realized that you have all these legacy characters like the jsa and then mm-hmm. you know moving into yes. other you know uh, justice league and stuff so that really resonated with me as an, as, an, as an older older comic book collector. And I kind of wanted to bring that into Eagle Forest, where we took those characters and essentially aged them up in real time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they still exist. And then they were basically bringing in sort of a new team. So you got the best of both worlds, right? You got the original characters who are still there. Obviously a little older, but very much active. And then you, you were able to kind of bring in sort of new, you know, fresh, fresh blood, so to speak, new characters to come yeah. in. Uh, and really build out the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a lot of collectors who really were like, oh, that's great, you know, they're not against what we're doing, but they were like, hey, I really sort of wanted just my Captain Eagle in gold Yes, outfit, wanted that interpretation. So when we started to think about the 40th anniversary, um, I was like, okay, this is a good opportunity to kind of revisit those looks as well Yes, and make the what we're calling sort of Eagle Force classics, mm-hmm. which is those characters, um, you know reimagined with modern four inch articulation but still yeah. in their gold outfits
0: oh, that's pretty cool yeah that is pretty cool um let's see Bef- um before we continue on um now eagle force was created by bill baron and paul kurchner mm-hmm. okay and then um you know and now before we started you know recording and stuff um you've met bill and paul correct
1: Yeah, uh, not in person, but we've, you know, we've talked on the phone a few times. Um, uh, Yes. And when I I was relaunching the line, I reached out to them to let them know that I was relaunching it, wanted to see if they wanted to be involved in some way. Um, Paul did some of the artwork for Card Art when we relaunched, which was fun. Uh, Bill sent me a bunch of stuff, uh, a bunch of artwork that he had had uh, that never was was out there at all. Um, Paul sent me some stuff that he had in his attic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he was just kind of sitting on, and wanted to know <laughs> if I wanted it. So they were pretty happy that we were able to kind of relaunch the line.
0: Nice, that's really yeah. nice. Now, um, now, correct me if I'm wrong. Again, before even before we started recording, you you said you had some of the original figures. Is that correct?
1: Oh yeah, I had I had quite a few. I didn't have every one. Oh, yeah. uh, I Had about I think about a half dozen. It's so about half a line. I had the Eagle Island playset as well. Mm -hmm. i didn't have all the vehicles but i had a few i had a few so i was very familiar obviously with the line as a kid uh i think also one of the reasons the line resonated with me was the artwork that paul had done was comic book style artwork and so i being a comic book fan i was like oh this is kind of some neat packaging and you know this you know a lot of the packaging at the time was more painter painted art Mm -hmm. um, yes uh, carry through and this was more comic book style which i hadn't seen too much on some of the lines and so it kind of it kind of drew my eye at the time because of that. And I kind of got into it. And, um, you know, I liked the idea behind the characters. They were a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. The villains were a lot of fun. Uh, the line did play into a lot of stereotypes at the time, <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, but uh, a lot of lines did that in the 80s. And, you yes. know, yeah. you know we, we're sort of, you know, trying to... Uh, you know, not playing to those st- same stereotypes, but also again, we're we're trying to bring those characters forward as well and give them a kind of a deep history, also. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, you know, have you ever seen one
0: in the wild, like in mint condition, at a con, at an antique toy
1: shop? Oh, sure. I mean, occasionally, I'll I'll run into a mint on card version. Um, I don't. I, I I think the only one I have on card is the cat. I think. Uh, And that was because I bought it much later. The ones I had as a kid, I all opened. So I didn't have any of the original packaging, but, um, and I've gone back since and bought most of the figures. Well, all of the figures, I don't have all the vehicles yet um, uh, from the original line, but most of them are all loose. I don't really have too much stuff on the package. No, yeah, Yeah. but I mean,
0: but. I'm, I'm because part of me is still the collector that wants to keep stuff in boxes, but part of me still wants to. I mean, let, let's, let I'm going to be honest. Let's be, we're just big kids. We have more money, we can buy stuff, you know, the things that we couldn't afford when we were kids. And, you know, we, we you know, we like to put them on our desk, on our shelves, you know, it, it, we want them out, we want to set them f- quote unquote free, you know, and and that's the fun part. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons too, that our packaging is collector friendly, Mm -hmm. uh, so that we, you know, you can open up the figures and take them out and then put them back in if you want. So that was one of the reasons I wanted to do that. So in case you wanted to keep them on the card, you could, if not, you could open them up and, you know, take them out.
0: That's pretty cool. Okay. So, um, now for, um, um, this, this line that you are, um, you have out, um, like how, how many, um, like, I
1: guess I'm gonna ask, like how many, how many figures do you have out right now? Uh, right now, with the original Kickstarter that we did, we have about a little under 30 figures that are available at our partner, uh, Zyka Toys. Mm-hmm. They were our partners, distribution partner for the line and our production partner. And so you can go there, and there's links off of our website to go mm-hmm. there, and you can get the figures as well. Um, and that's a, that, that those are on the market now. We have sold out of a few characters. Mm-hmm we might look at reissuing um, next year Mm -hmm. Uh, and then with the pre-orders on the 40th anniversary we have um, about 18 that are going to be guaranteed to get made and Mm -hmm. another 15 or so like I mentioned that we're doing in sort of this you know sort of crowdfunding event to see Mm -hmm. how many pre-orders we can get to see if we can unlock the ability Mm -hmm. to produce even more of those okay yeah um
0: let's see now um Eagle Force is the team. Who are, their, who are their villains? Who are they fighting against?
1: So they fight against Riot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they, you know, the original line, they fought against General Mamba. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the Returns line, we created a new villain called Ultima Thule, who they're fighting against there. Uh, although, again, for the 40th line, we're bringing back General Mamba because people wanted, uh, you know, uh, interpretation of that character. So, and then we've created some sub-lines uh-huh underneath Eagle Force as well. Mm-hmm. Things like Monster Force, Ninja Force, yes, yeah. Freedom Force. So we're building out the worlds there as well. And the world, you know, so you, we can touch on different themes. So mm-hmm. obviously your Eagle Force line is going to be more military based. Mm-hmm. Then you have Monster Force, which has sort of a, a, a horror monster type theme. You've got Freedom Force, which is a little more um, superhero mm-hmm. elements that are coming in. Uh, you have Adventure Force, which is more 70s style adventure kind of heroes that mm-hmm. you know are uh, similar to those type of heroes. So we're, we're, we're building in sort of these different worlds around Eagle Force yes. and trying to build out the larger mythology uh, one of the things we we launched as a part of this uh, crowdfunding campaign of this event was a, a wiki page where uh-huh. you can go, and it's linked off our main site, where you can go and read about all the different teams and characters. And, mm-hmm. you know, when, when I, when, if you're a comic book fan, which obviously you are, I see by the back of your, you know, behind you there's a bunch <laughs> of long boxes. Um, you know, I grew up with tons of the handbooks, Marvel handbooks. Those yes. I yeah. love those things as a kid. Um, but now with the internet, uh, you can do things like a wiki page yeah, where you can do something similar where people can go and read about the character, read their bios, read their history. So we're building out this wiki right now uh, that has all the different Eagle Force factions underneath uh-huh. it where you can see a bunch about a bunch of different teams.
0: And then also to the um, Fresh, Fresh Monkey Fiction website, there's also a, um, a digital handbook.
1: Um, on Eagle Force, is that correct? Yeah, we ha- we did we have a dig- we did a Kickstarter for a physical handbook, mm-hmm. uh, but now we have a digital one available as well too. If you want to, if you want to buy that, yeah, that's that's
0: pretty awesome. Um, before I move on um, to our listeners, so um, so the um, forces of evil riot that is an, um, an acronym for Roving International Organization of Tyranny. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Yeah. All right, now I. Now, I know you said that the original figures were uh, made in die-cast. Are any of the current figures, are are they going
1: to... I'm just asking, are they going to be in die-cast? Are you guys thinking of... Are you guys yeah, thinking um, that? probably not. The cost of doing die-cast metal now is just uh, super expensive on top of the fact that the original figures had five points of articulation, so mm-hmm. it was easier to do something like that, whereas the new figures have over 15 points of articulation. So it's mm-hmm. a lot harder to do metal die cast with that much articulation. So we probably won't, we, we're doing gold paint ops. Yes. Mm-hmm. Applications that look similar to the gold die cast, but we mm-hmm. probably won't do any die cast metal figures.
0: Okay. All right. Um, and then, um, let's see. Um, you, you mentioned the articulation on the um, figures. The accessories, and I saw like, um, now correct me if I'm wrong, most of them would have like either interchangeable hands. Of course, they have weapons. Um, and I think on your, correct me if I'm wrong, the Monster Force, you can change out the heads too. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, many of the figures will come with extra heads, additional accessories like extra hands and weapons. Uh, because we wanted we wanted to build much as much variety as we could into the figure mm-hmm. uh, we also have a bunch of folks who are army building and mm-hmm. will like to build like you know generic soldiers and those kind of things mm-hmm. so this allows you to buy this figure and use it this way or attach that head and use it that way yes um, and uh, that way you have a lot of customizability within uh, a figure. yeah
0: I think that's so cool because i see because I was looking through the webpage and I saw one and I think the Monster Force one had there was one where
1: um there's a werewolf head. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that's so cool. Yeah. There's like uh soldier heads, mast heads, or human heads, all sorts of stuff. So yeah, you have helmets and those kind of things. So you you know you get a lot, I think, with the figure. Uh so if you wanted to buy a few multiples, which many folks do, you have different configurations you can put them in on your display.
0: That is so cool.
1: Now um
0: now um the eagle force um action line um um is, is it um can you know if someone wants to like put them next to their gi joe collection you know would it
1: they can yeah, do if, that yeah if you if you if your collection is like four inch modern gi joe type figures or other figures in that scale they fit right sure. along with that yeah that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. There's some other lines out there like Marauder task force or Petruvian hacks from boss fight or chicken fried toys or Spiros doing animals, the kingdom in that scale. So they all fit within, within that scale. That's pretty cool. Okay.
0: Um, and, um, right now, how many, I'm just going to, so how many waves are you looking at right now? Well,
1: you know, like Yeah. Uh, So yeah, we have uh, basically four waves available now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Each wave has about six to eight characters, depending on the wave. Uh, And then there's another three waves that are available for pre-order that will start hitting uh, in Q2 next year, and then we'll follow subsequent quarters after that. So um, yeah, I think, you know, right now, I think between wave one, I think we're closer to around like, and if you look at the 40th anniversary, which is split up into a few different waves, we're about, I think, eight, eight waves in mm-hmm. so far. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, with the current offering right now, it's close to 50 figures. I think that will we'll either have out or that are going to come up well over the next, uh, you know, a couple years through the pre-order mechanism that we have with Big Bad Toy Store.
0: Wow. That's, that's really impressive. That's cool.
1: Yeah. It's fun. Like it's, it's, it's fun to have them all sitting on your desk or your shelf and go, Oh, like we, I made that. And not only that, like we built a world around it. And, you know, uh, the fans made it too. I mean, that's the big thing. Like, I mean, we we wouldn't be able to do anything without the community who comes in and support it. I mean, that's the big thing for us. Like, we're going to put some ideas out there. If you, follow and you put the pre-order in or you support the kickstarter or whatever mechanism we use then we'll go and make it if you don't then we're probably not going to make it and that's okay too you -hmm. know it, it lets us understand like what the market is for it um and then we'll go and produce it and along the way while we're manufacturing we can make some tweaks and we'll post images of hey you know we we're thinking about changing this sculpt or adding mm-hmm. this. What do you think? Or maybe we're going to add this paint deco, you know. And so that's the kind of, you can get that fan feedback. And again, mm-hmm. I can't guarantee we're going to do everything that everybody asked for. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you throw it out there and it's something we can do, I'm certainly going to try to make it happen. Yeah. And then
0: um, in the future, are you looking to do any vehicles or play sets for this
1: actual figure line? Um, I, I would love to do playsets and, and, and vehicles. I, I think the, the vehicles are pretty expensive, so they're mm-hmm. they're hard they're harder to produce. Um, uh, I, I am interested in doing maybe some cardboard type playsets in the future. I'm a big fan of those growing up, like I said, with Star Wars and stuff, There's a lot of cardboard playsets. So I'm interested yes. in something like that. So we'll probably see something like that. We've been talking about we've been talking with a few other folks who are producing vehicles as well mm-hmm. or this scale and thinking about doing some collaborative effort where, mm-hmm. you know, we might do an, an exclusive figure for them. Yes. That they could sell with their vehicle with some Eagle four stickers or those kind of mm-hmm. things. So there there's those opportunities that I think are out there that we're trying to explore right now. That sounds pretty
0: cool. I, I love the cardboard um, play sets. I know what ones you're talking about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <sighs> okay. All right. Um, um, if, Fresh fresh monkey fiction are are you guys considering um besides the digital handbook, um are you guys thinking about doing a like an Eagle Force digital comic series?
1: Yeah, I mean I would love to do a comic series. I think that would be great. Um I think the challenge with that is, if I'm gonna be honest, mm-hmm. is that it's really it's really hard to do comic books are super expensive to produce because you have writers, you have inkers, you have mm-hmm. artists, you have colorists, you have letterers. There's a lot of people that need to get together to do it, unless you're fortunate enough that you have someone that can do everything for you, or you can actually produce that yourself. So yes. uh, when you start really looking at the numbers, it's it's very hard to do. I mean, there's certainly a lot of successful Kickstarter campaigns for comics. Yes. Uh, but it's uh, when I start putting the numbers together, it becomes very difficult when you look at printing costs and all those things. I, you know, I just don't know if we'd be able to raise enough to really do it. Um, But I'm I'm very interested in doing it. I mean, I would love nothing more than to have a regular Eagle Force comic. That would be great. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, Bill, I'm going to start winding down our interview. Now, you mentioned Larry Hama. Yeah. How did you guys get Larry Hama, the writer of G.I. Joe, to agree to
1: be an action figure? Um, well, I had, uh, a good friend, like I was mentioning a lot of, a lot of the, a lot of the ways I have to get to folks is just by meeting people online and, and for, in, in these community groups. And I have a good buddy, uh, Chris Irving, who knows Larry really well. And he introduced us and Chris really helped to try to convince Larry to do it. I think Larry being Larry was, you know, I'm not, I mean, not as enthusiastic, you know, Larry's, Larry's great. And, but I think like, you know, like. I don't know do people really want an action figure in me i don't know you know he was like it was just like, he's that kind of personality he's like i don't know yeah you know being a fan um i wanted that to go with my gi joe collection right yeah. i was like uh, you know i i thought it would be great so we convinced him to do it and uh we've done we did one version that we kickstarted, uh we sold out of that and then we did another version uh very similar uh to the first version because folks really wanted it so we've done it we're doing another version and we'll have those in stock at the beginning of the year um i'm I'm sitting on one of larry right now i think larry's right here right now there he is
0: sorry guys i know this is an audio but that's so cool Yeah. yeah
1: so uh so uh yeah so i you know it was it was really great to work with Larry on it, um, even though again, I think he was—you know—he's like he's not that kind of person. Where he's like, "Yeah, I really want an action figure of me." Yes. And he it. That wasn't really him, but he—but but he was okay with it. He loves the fans. He interacts with the fans all the time, so he yeah. gets it. He gets that the fans—it's something that the fans want more than Larry yes. wants. But I think the fans really dig it. And every—and you realize, you realize too, in doing that figure, what uh, an impression he's left on just a huge generation of people. Yes. Like you really like that the GI Joe stories he told and stuff like the Nam series, like yes. his other comic book stories, I mean really resonate with folks. And yeah, folks want an action figure of Larry because he's amazing. And he's mm-hmm. great, and they want it. They want to have Larry on the shelf because that reminds them of all the great stories mm-hmm. that they've read, and that they still think about that Larry has has put put out there. So I was so proud and happy to do it, and um, glad that it came out as well as it did. Okay,
0: now again, um, now now correct me if I'm wrong. So, so um, the Larry Hama action figure again, it will be a, again available um, in next year.
1: Yeah, so we kickstarted it, and then we took a bunch of pre-orders. We'll fill those, and then we we ordered some extras. Uh, so if you weren't able to get in on the pre-order, we'll have um, some stock available at the beginning of the year that we'll put up on our website.
0: Oh my god, man! I gotta keep an eye out for that because I yeah, do want yeah. one.
1: And, and and you know, again, if you just follow us on social media, we'll post mm-hmm. you know the progress of where we're at in our lines. You know, we you know this stuff takes time too. So we post a lot of like in progress shots at the factory. Here's where that's at. Here's where this is at. Cause you know, these things don't happen overnight. They take two, sometimes three years to make, even with our original Eagle force returns line, we hit some factory issues that took almost, you know, close to four years to happen, unfortunately. But even, even just regular action figure production Mm -hmm. takes a couple of years to do. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, and so that's why I also appreciate the fans so much because they're willing to stick with us through this stuff. They're willing to wait for the figure that they want even though they're, and, and maybe put their money up upfront knowing they're not gonna get it for maybe a year and a half or two mm-hmm. years. Yeah. Uh, and that speaks volumes towards you know, the community that I think has been built around the brand and the folks that are supporting it because without them, it's just not gonna happen. So uh, I'm really thankful for everybody who continues to support the stuff we do. Uh, because without it, we wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be out there.
0: One more question about the Larry Hama action figure. Um, I know you said that you wanted a Larry Hama action figure with your GI Joe figures. Now, you know, um, have any GI Joe fans send, you know, pictures to you or posted on your um, websites with, The, you know, Larry's action figure standing with their GI Joe action figures. Oh, sure.
1: All the time. Yeah. Like when, after they got them in hand, they were posting all sorts of photos with that. Yeah, for sure. Everybody's really super excited about it. Yeah. That's
0: that's pretty awesome. So, uh, again, where can listeners buy the Eagle Force 40th anniversary action figures?
1: Yeah. So the best thing to do is go to our website at uh, freshmonkeyfiction.com and you'll find a link there to two places. One is ZykaToys.com where the current line is available to purchase today. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's four waves of figures. So if you want to get our returns line, you can go there and get them today. If you want to pre-order the 40th line, there are links on our website to go to Big Bad Toy Store where you can pre-order the 40th figures uh, those will start shipping uh, toward the end of next year and into twenty uh, into twenty twenty three.
0: Okay, all yeah. right. So um, I'm slowly wrapping this up. What is your favorite toy or action figure in your collection?
1: Oh, that's a good one. Man, there are so many to choose from, and sometimes it seems to change every week. Sometimes yes. I'll get a new figure in the mail and go, "Oh my gosh, this thing is amazing!" Mm-hmm. I didn't. I never thought I would have it on my shelf. Um, I, I think. Um, the, the one I think I had, that's my favorite is probably my version of the second version of snake eyes that came out. I think I still have that as part of timber. I still have that, 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 again, it, it just speaks to like the comic book to Larry, the action figures, of the time like that mm-hmm. figure itself just like resonates on just a lot of different levels. Mm-hmm. As much as I have a lot of figures on my shelf that are from one of some of my favorite movies like Big Trouble in China, as much or you know favorite TV shows, that thing really like cements the reason I'm doing toys, right? It like it had so much play value, it had so much story value. It came with a it came with a a wolf, you know the the character had a sword, he mm-hmm. uh, had a great backstory. Larry really brought it together in the comic book. It it really synergized everything, right? for me. So like that is probably my favorite figure for the fact that it really brings everything home for me. Mm -hmm. All right. Now,
0: what is your white whale as in toys or action figures that you want in your
1: collection that you don't have? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so what I still am missing, I mentioned the secret wars line of the eighties when I was a huge fan of that as a kid, uh, towards the end of that line, three figures came out that were not distributed in the United States. So uh, they were on back of the packaging. Uh, and that was Iceman, Constrictor and uh, Electro. Yeah, They were only distributed in the UK and other, I think, international regions. They never made it to the US. Um, I was have never been able to pick up. Um, I, I've, I've managed to acquire the Iceman through a friend,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: I'm still missing Constrictor and Ele- Ele- Electro, uh, and I, Electro, and I never really have been able to get them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're out there. Certainly you can get them. I mean, you know, eBay now and all that they're there. They're very high dollar. Um, mm-hmm. but those are the two, and because I just love that line, those are the two figures that I've just never been able to, you know, either drop the money on or just whatever, mm-hmm. but yeah, they're, they're, so they're, they're not that they're not out there. I mean, I've mm-hmm. had opportunities to acquire them, but they're not you know, uh, they're not cheap anymore. And, even, yes. and they're not even, you know, you, you got to sell, you know, they're, they're a few hundred dollars now for a few of those. So those are the ones that I still don't have that I think I would kind of like to have because it's sort of missing in my collection.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think,
1: yeah. I
0: have to say that it's it's really interesting that they made a constrictor action figure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, y- yeah. this guy, all it is is what, yeah wires just whip out of his hands and just just electrocute
1: somebody. (laughs) It's so interesting, that line, because they made a lot of figures that were not even in Secret Wars. uh, Yeah, that's great. Which was fine, which was fine, because, you know, like, hey, like, I want Marvel figures, and the Hobgoblin figure of that line is my favorite figure of that line, and he wasn't in Secret Wars. Uh, But the figures that they chose to make, uh, given what were out there at the time, were, like, sort of weird. Like, what, you know, like... You don't see Thor. You don't see Hulk, although I think Hulk was planned. Mm -hmm. Uh, But instead you see these characters like uh, Constrictor show up, just was a random B, maybe even C-list villain, maybe I'll call it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: All right. Um, I'm going to wrap this up. So, um, favorite convention moment, whether as a fan or Mm. a creator?
1: Favorite convention moment was probably in... I would say the late '80s, mm-hmm. maybe '90, right around you know that time, where I went to a Dallas show and I got to meet um, Adam Hughes and Mike Manolia in person, and I had them do sketches for me. And this was before they were really huge. Like that mm-hmm. was before you know Mike had done Hellboy, I you know uh, Adam Hughes I think was doing JLA, maybe it was I think it was JL, maybe it was JI at the time. Mm-hmm uh I was just a huge fan of their art Mm -hmm. and um I had this um I had this uh toy catalog or comic book catalog and I can't remember the name of the company at the time and Adam Hughes had done a Ninja Turtles cover for it I mean he never really had done that and I kept it in my collection for a while right and I had him sign it because I was like, you know, because Adam Hughes is not known for that. He's known for, you know, a different type of art. But like uh, he did did this random, random Adam Ninja Turtle cover. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't even super into Ninja Turtles, but the fact that like it was something different and I had him sign it and he was like, oh my gosh, I forgot that I even did this thing. And he's like, I'm surprised you have it because it's, it was done as a catalog from, you know, from a mail or away toy company. God. And so that's one of the things I have in my collection That, I'm re- that I really like is it was just this random thing That was really fun to have And that was a great little moment of uh, You know, bringing something to an artist That they had almost forgot they had done At that yeah. point uh, Probably they were a little embarrassed by it, To maybe a certain degree Because it was early on in their career But it was something that like You know, I was such a fan of theirs Collecting that, you know, artwork That I think it really just was a really great moment To kind of have that And I still have that in my collection today
0: That is pretty cool um, I'm just,
1: um, um, do um, when
0: you go to conventions, do you have like a table? Do, do you, when you go to, do you have a, does Fresh Monkey Fiction, do they have a booth at a, uh, t- conventions or anything like that? Yeah.
1: I mean, we, uh, we do a convention every year called Designer Con, although this year we're not going to do it because of yeah. COVID stuff. I'm still not ready to go back to conventions, okay. maybe next year for sure. Oh, okay. Uh, but usually, um. I have a booth at designer con because it's local in Los okay. Angeles. Um, I don't do any East coast shows. because It's just hard for me to like get away from work that much to go. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then sometimes we'll do San Diego comic con. We've had a booth there a couple of times. So it just depends on if I have enough that I think it makes sense to do. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe next comic con next year, maybe we'll have a booth there as well, but DesignerCon con, we always have a booth for because I just, I just love that show. It's just a great show with a bunch of other folks Mm-hmm. who are doing designer type things, toys, artwork, prints. It's a great convention. If you're ever in Los Angeles in November, I highly recommend people checking it out. Um, if you like independent creator stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And then I,
0: um, I know at the beginning we talked about this. I you kind of part of answered this question already. Um, I, because you're planning a trip to coming to
1: Hawaii. But I'm going to ask, have you, been, have you and your family, have you guys been to Hawaii before? My wife has been. I have never been. So I'm really excited. We're going to go and we're going to be there in a few weeks. So um, I have never, I, uh, I have a huge fear of flying. So um, I, I don't travel much, uh, but it's my wife's birthday and she wanted to go to Hawaii. So we planned this trip prior to the pandemic and we had to cancel it. So uh now with uh you know things opening up a little bit, uh we're gonna try we're gonna try to go out in a few weeks. So it should be a lot of fun.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Um do you have
0: any last words to our listeners? Uh
1: I mean, I just want to thank everybody for listening. Um uh and uh you know I don't have much of an opportunity to have these kind of in-depth conversations. So thank you, Jason, for having me on and and uh allowing me to ramble on for an hour. I think it's great. Um, I really appreciate you coming with a lot of questions and I hope that the fans, uh, you know, who are listening, you know, get, uh, get some information and they can always, again, like reach out to me on social media and we can interact there as well.
0: Again, where can people, where can listeners follow you on social media?
1: Yeah. The best thing to do is to follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, they can get the links off of our website at, uh, freshmonkeyfiction.com. Okay. All right. Um,
0: you know, Bill, I want to wish you all the success for, you know, um, you know for, um, for Fresh Monkey Fiction Company, and also for the Eagle Force 40th Anniversary Action Line. You know, again, I wish you all the best. Um, and Bill, thank you very much. You know, mahalo, thank you in Hawaii. Thank you for your time in giving me the opportunity to interview you. And no, it was not rambling, because it's always so cool to talk to another toy collector.
1: yeah no thank you thank you i I, and again i appreciate you really coming in with uh a lot of research and questions uh that's great like i i uh i usually get very generic questions so this has been some really great uh time to interview and talk and it's it's been a great great hour i'm so happy to have it so thank you no thank you very much
0: and it's so i'm I'm sorry now i'm going to ramble a bit it's so cool here to hear another star wars fan that's and you know because I still have my Star Wars action figures, even some of the GI Joe ones I still do, and the cardboard um, playsets that you're talking about, the Star Wars one, I I had the um, the Best Ben one. The Best one one's great from yeah Steve. yeah yeah yeah. You know that was so cool. So yeah, yeah. all right. Um, so again, you know, Bill, thank you very much. And also, I wanna again, I wanna thank Hannah of Superfan Promotions. For help setting up this interview, Hannah, thank you very much. You know, if you are a new toy collector or if you are a lifelong toy collector, or you know, you know, please check out the Eagle Force 40th anniversary action figures at these websites: BigBadToyStore.com, FreshMonkeyFiction.com, and ZikaToys. not zicsn Charlie A Toys.com. And Bill, I think the cool thing, what you talked about was, you know, if you know, for collectors, if they want to take it out of the packaging, we can take it out, and if we want to put it back in the packaging, yep. we can do that. Be, yeah. you know, that that's so cool. And again, um, guys, just check out this website. If you're a big action, you know, action figure collector, check out the website. I, again, I love the accessories, especially the interchangeable hands and heads. That's great. It really is. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I also want to thank Drew, the co host for Comics for Fund and Profit, for putting this episode together. Drew, thank you very much for all your hard work behind the scenes. And if you are a new listener, please check out new episodes of Comics for Fund and Profit um, that comes out every Saturday. And I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys, aloha.
1: Aloha.